Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. With me, as always, is Nathaniel Paul Thurston. Liberty at night. <laughs> That's Go. what we're... Now you That's do the, do right the night now. intro. Go. No, no, I'm just going to cut myself in saying Liberty at night oh, okay. over the top of you okay. saying Good Morning Liberty. <laughs> it's going to sound amazing because it's Tuesday yeah. and on Tuesdays... You were looking at me Liberty and at I night. knew that I yeah. needed to change it, but in my mind I was already... It's just muscle memory at this point. I, yeah, I was going down the power of habit. <laughs> Nothing you can do about it. And then, yeah, there was no switching gears. It's not that. even that you were reading off a teleprompter or anything, mm-hmm. you know? It's just... That's what your brain says it's, you have to say. It's a neural pathway that just comes out. Well, hello, everyone, all of our Liberty-loving friends. We, uh, we've we been gone for quite some time. Yeah. This was a break. Uh, Wednesday of last week, we, we did Dumb Bleep of the Week. We took Labor Day mm-hmm. off. Because we wanted to fight for uh, labor. Non-labor. Union labor. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We'll talk maybe about unions if we have some time today. I don't like them. Not mm. a fan. Not mm. a fan of the unions. And Labor Day is one of my least favorite days of the year because it's people just saying good things about unions. It's like one of those times that I have to stay off of the internet. I didn't see anything about Oh my God, it's unions. all just fight for Labor. Labor Day, if you enjoy Labor Day, think a union. If you enjoy the weekend, think a union. God, makes me want to puke every time. Mm. Every Labor Day, worst holiday of the year. I tell you what. <laughs> but uh, you enjoyed it this year. I enjoyed it this year. You're right. Because... <laughs> I was not one to puke because I wasn't even online because I was on a family vacation with my wife's side of the family. Mm. And we took the uh, took the kids and took the in-laws and all that. We went down to Jacksonville, Florida, went down to ne- Neptune Beach, is what they call it. And uh, then we went up to Driftwood Beach on the way out. Have you ever driven up the coastline like between Florida and, and Georgia? And mm. as you, you see, in my mind, I've never driven up there before. In my mind... You just got to a spot and then there was a beach and then there was the ocean. And like, that's what the edge of the United States looks like all the way from from Miami all the way up the Maine. It just it looks like Daytona Beach all, all the way up. Yeah. The entire coastline is just one giant beach. That's not it. No. And that's not what it looks like. Mm-mm. It's actually really cool. There's all these little islands. Let me let you guys know what the east coast of the United States looks like because I drove up about 50 miles of it this weekend. Mm. And uh, it's really pretty through there. Changed your life, didn't it? I I just, I did not know it existed. It actually made me want to visit Georgia sometime and I've never felt that way in my mm. entire life. Yeah. You know? I hear Savannah's pretty. I've been there before, but like for one night. Yeah, and then they, they have those trees. Not the weeping willow trees, but like those Georgia trees. I don't know what they're called. The giant oaks? They're that- like... Like kind of mossy, yeah, coming down. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's called the mossy oak. I'm not sure. Yeah. The antebellum trees, yeah, the antebellum, yeah. The like the they were the, there before the Patriot Civil, House Civil War, yeah. Trees, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're all lying on the road and everything. Spanish moss is mm-hmm. that what it is? So anyway, it was really pretty through there. I recommend it to someone if you want to drive through there. I recommend having a convertible or a jeep or a, or a bike, like a not a bicycle. It's a long way. Like a motorbike of oh. some kind. A, mo- a motorcycle. <laughs> I was like, are you biking 50 miles now? Yes. No, I'm not. I rode in a car that I was driving. So anyway, we got stuff to talk about. It's Tuesday yep. night. 
for some people. I was not listening. on vacation. Mm-mm. I was here working hard, uh, as I usually do. And yes. Nate, that's your fifth vacation this year? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Any and more? that doesn't even count Freedom Fest. If you count Freedom Fest, then it was my sixth vacation of the year. And then tomorrow you're leaving for another I'm conference. I'm going to Denver tomorrow. Yeah. So vacation number six. And I cannot say Denver without wedding crashers popping up in my head. And my wife and I both do that. Like, I'm leaving tomorrow. And she's like, yeah, you're going to Denver to meet your whore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I earn those miles. Like, every time. Yeah. That's that's what we talk about. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm going to Denver. And then uh, I think that's it for me for the year. My wife still has one more trip planned. And then we just found out we're going to Peru in a few months. So... <laughs> So you do have more? Not, no, it's a, it's in 2024. Oh, okay. So it doesn't count. Peru's awesome, though. I, I loved Peru. I was going to talk to you about that, bef- you know, sometime before or after, but I, I need help. Well, let me know. I might need help. We'll mm-hmm. see. Anyway, uh, this is Good Morning Liberty. We talk about life, liberty, and pursuit of meaning, as you can tell, every single day of the week, as you can tell, when, when we want to. As and, you can tell. As you can tell. And so I was asking, we were asking the live group beforehand, what the heck happened? Over the time that we were gone, we were gone Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and here I am perusing the internet for news last night. I can't find hardly anything. I don't think anything catastrophic happened. That's and, good. And what's cool about taking little trips where you go out and you touch sand uh, or touch grass or whichever one is you realize that there's not that many really important things that happen. When you're when you're tuned into the news on a constant daily basis, and let's say that you you've boxed yourself into a life where you have to talk for upwards of an hour every single day about something that's in the news, well, then you t- you tend to fine tune yourself into every single little little bitty thing that happens. That becomes your reality. And when you take some time off and you come back and you look for this super important thing that happened while you were gone, and you're like, well, what's important that happened? Well, I was gone. Well, Jimmy Buffett died. The lead singer of Smash Mouth died. Those are about the most important things that happened, except for all the other people that died and other people's lives that Mm -hmm. weren't famous. And we're against death. And we don't like it. Yeah. And so those were the really important things. Other than that, there are news stories that we can, in fact, uh, talk about, and we will, and they are really important. So I tried to find the most important thing, the most important piece that came out. And it happens to do with the with the U.S. deficit. Now, I know this is confusing because we have budget hawk Joseph Biden. And the strongest economy with mm-hmm. Bidenomics in play. In the history of all mankind mm-hmm. happening right now. So I know it's really confusing, but our, our deficit is looking like it's going to double just uh, after one year. Of him reducing it. The most that's ever been reduced in the history of all mankind is now going to double the following year. And this is actually kind of scary because we happen to be in the best economy in the history of the world, like what you were just saying. And we got low unemployment. Everyone is doing so good. But uh, unfortunately... Inflation's coming down. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Inflation has been reduced greatly. Yeah. And, And... COVID's gone, minus all the people who got it this summer. And so other than it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, other than all those great things happening, we are in a situation that we are only that we've only ever been in uh, when there was a war going on or a really catastrophic economic recession or depression. 
going on. And we happen to be moving into that period right now where two trillion looks like it's going to become like a baseline type of deficit for us. And that's not good. That's only two. It's yeah. <laughs> Remember when it was a trillion before COVID and that was bad. That was really bad. And now it's kind of looking like, well, all things being equal, everything considered, our normal economy humming along, adding more jobs than, than God out here is Joseph R. Biden. Two trillion deficit, about the best we can muster right now. <laughs> yeah. So there's a piece here from from who? Whom? The Washington Post. The Washington Post posting about this. The subtitle mm. is a strong economy usually reduces the deficit. Not this time. Maybe it's because it's not actually a strong economy. (laughs) The federal deficit is projected to roughly double this year as bigger interest payments and lower tax receipts widen the nation's spending and balance despite robust overall economic growth. They're still trying to spend this thing. I know. They're going to. The writing's on the wall. (laughs) And they're just like, don't look here. Yeah. Over here. After the government's record spending in 2020 and 2021 to combat the impact of COVID-19... There is a war going on, by the way, right now. There is a war. Ukraine, Russia. The deficit dropped by the greatest amount ever in 2022, falling from close to $3 trillion to roughly $1 trillion. But rather than continue to fall to its pre-pandemic levels, the deficit then shot upward. Budget experts now project that it will probably rise to about $2 trillion for the fiscal year that ends September 30th. The unexpected, unexpected, it's very unexpected. God, it's so unexpected. Mm-hmm. Who would have seen this coming? No one could have possibly predicted no. this. No. The unexpected deficit surge, which comes amid signs of strong growth in the economy overall. At, <laughs> how see, can they write something like this? The only things that they can point to, they point to the job numbers, which we, we know about that. We actually are going to talk about that a little bit more later on. And then they can point to things like GDP also. But you know what they never do? They never repoint. They never point to the revised job numbers that come out a couple months later. No, and they don't point to how many jobs were lost before Joe Biden took office and Mm -hmm. where we actually are versus where we would have been if we would have stayed on the same trend uh, that we were on before the COVID lockdowns. And then they point to GDP, which a large portion of GDP is government spending. And so they, they talk about, well, our GDP number is this, this, and this. Well, we got the Inflation Reduction Act. We got all the money, you know, we're... We're spending on defense, of course. We got all kinds of money that the government spends that becomes a portion of the GDP. And then our GDP number gets more and more fake over time. And so all this hoopla about a a strong economy. It's all fake. Yes. It's literally all fake. All right. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Yeah, you can kind of scan through a little bit because this hasn't been... So there's likely to be a fierce debate on Capitol Hill about the nation's fiscal policies as lawmakers face a potential government shutdown this fall. Ooh, Yeah, that's coming up in like a couple weeks. We're going to be talking shutdown again. Every fall we shut down, man. The Senate will return this week from its August recess and the House will be back the following week. The higher deficit may undermine Biden's attempt to take credit for reigning in the budget ahead of the 2024 presidential election. And it could pose a challenge to Republican lawmakers who, despite their calls for fiscal responsibility, are pushing to extend more than $3 trillion in tax cuts they approved in 2017. This is all because of tax cuts and corporate greed Mm -hmm. can explain this. 
The three trillion in tax cuts, of course, are over a span of 10 years. And so that means if if all the numbers are correct and they would actually take in that amount of taxes, then the three trillion in tax cuts they want to extend would be three hundred billion dollars per year. And of course, we're talking about a two trillion dollar deficit, even if you weren't going to extend those tax cuts and they took in the perfect amount of money they're talking about, then the deficit would be $1.7 trillion instead of $2 trillion. And that would not solve the problem mm. at all. Uh, but they're going to keep pointing this because they can say this $3 trillion word right there, and people use that. Well, we got a $2 trillion deficit. we got $3 trillion in tax cuts. And they never... They just don't think about it, man. Mm-hmm. The surge in red ink has confounded many economists' expectations. Typically, deficits contract when the economy grows because the businesses and consumers owe more in taxes and the government does not need to spend as much to protect those who have lost their jobs. Then deficits normally expand again in downturns as those factors go into reverse. And yet the current surge in the deficit is is coinciding with a period of unusually strong economic growth amid historic lows in unemployment and robust corporate profits. So weird. It is really so weird. weird how that happens. And so what what they're basically saying is normally during a recession, we'll see the deficit go up like we did for COVID. We saw that happen because tax receipts go down. People lose their jobs. There's like not, we did in 08, 09. Not as many people paying in, paying their taxes. Corporate profits are going down and the government is having to spend more money or they, they choose to spend more money to uh, try and help people. And so the deficit surged during that time. And then they typically will come back and there's a time where we have low unemployment and we have corporate profits doing well and we have so many people working and we're adding so many jobs. The problem is the unemployment number is still a very fake number. There's only so long that you can fake all of these numbers mm-hmm. is the problem. The GDP portion of that is government spending. Once the government's spending, well, they're borrowing the money or they're taxing it from people and then you're counting that back in the GDP. It's all just a just a big old what do you call it? A hand washing station of money, basically. It's, just a big cycle. It's cooking the books. You're cooking the books on stuff. There you go. <laughs> That's the way to say it. And um, it, it's not good because what happens if we go into another big recession? Like what happens if the housing market finally crashes? Because there's a lot of people talking about that right now. Uh, what happens if that market finally crashes and the government needs to try and help people, but also the tax receipts are going down? It's it would be really bad, and they just have well, to print the money, and then we those, get into even more inflation. That's why we need all those agents. Tax <laughs> evasions, what's yeah. happening? Listen to, to the experts here, though, mm. folks. Furman says, and who's Furman again? I can't remember. Uh, top economist yeah, yeah. in the Obama administration, and now an economics, an economics professor. professor at Harvard. Yeah. So here's mm. here's the expert. Remember, trust the experts. He says, "quote To see this in an economy with low unemployment is truly stunning. There's never been anything like it." A good and strong economy with no new emergency spending and yet a deficit like this. The fact that it is so big in one year makes you think it must be some weird, freakish thing going on. Mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) That's it. That's one of your top economist professors Mm. at Harvard. Just weird and freakish. We have no idea how we got here. The freakish thing going on is that the government spends too much money. (laughs) They keep adding and adding more and more programs 
they never take them away mm -hmm. and so they keep spending too much money the, there's no freak accident this mm -hmm. is not a surprise when they spend more and more money every single year the deficits are going to happen there's only so much you're going to be able to tax back out of the economy what's that normal rate we pay it sounds what it sounds like to me is like the stereotypical wife joke like when you're going over the budget with your wife and, you're, and she's like, it must be some weird freakish thing. And yeah. you're like, well, there were 28 Amazon boxes delivered this month and there were 27 target trips. And I mm -hmm. see here that uh, we bought 45 coffees from Starbucks. Yeah. Or in my and house, you're like, well, it's just weird and freakish. I don't yeah. know how this happened. On, in my house, it's reversed. You know, it's like, that's why I'm I said like stereotypical. I'm like, what happened to our, what happened to our money? This is so weird. She's like, well, you just had your 18th microphone delivered to the house. <laughs> and uh, looks like that's a Rode microphone. You got a nice carry case for it, too. Uh, that's cool. Um, how much money are you bringing in with that there podcast? And uh, with it, yeah, I don't know if this is some kind of freakish thing that's happening right now or not. And uh, so I'm, I'm just trying to give credit to the ladies out there. That's that, why I said stereotypical. You know, yeah, it's, it's a joke. All right. There are men, there are plenty of women who are really good with money and there's plenty of men that suck with it. Yeah. All right. Um, so it can be reversed. I'm actually Absolutely. really good with money. I just I've never had any. You just, I just can't, you know, I just can't prove to you still in my that, greatness. Yeah. No. <laughs> You're mentally still in your trailer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that you grew up in. It's very true. Yeah. Uh, no, but you're, you're spot on. The government spends too much money. And we, we talked about this. That once you, once you release this kind of money, right, it's very hard to claw you back. Can't take it back. People are now used to this, right? And mm -hmm. if you, it's political suicide to try to remove it, right? Because people were like, "Well, I ain't voting for that guy. He's not going to give me money like this guy is, now, or even this girl." Like people who will tell you, like a conservative. Let's take like a sixty-year-old conservative, and they're like, "Yeah, the government's ruined everything, and these entitlements and Social Security and Medicare and all that stuff. They're bankrupt in our economy, and uh, they don't have any money. We're going to run out in ten years." And then there's like a candidate who says, "Well, you know, I think we should maybe uh, allow people to opt out, or you know, reduce some of the benefits and stuff like that. Maybe we like, should raise the age yeah. by a year or two. I'm not voting for that crazy extremist <laughs> isolationist." person wants to throw grandma you know they don't they don't actually people want to help themselves first because well, here's the thing they've paid into it their whole lives now and so you're like well hang on a second i just spent 40 years paying into something yeah, yeah. that i'm not going to get anything out of and you're like yeah you kind of got scammed grandpa <laughs> yeah that's what that's called a pyramid scheme mm -hmm. you know we put bernie madoff in prison for that but we're not going to put anybody in prison for this one but you kind of got you kind of got screwed. Let me show. And I feel bad for you. Let me show you. We're something. getting screwed too. Don't worry. This is starting in 1929, and it goes up to 2022, I believe, on this number. Um, we mentioned it earlier, but this is the tax receipts as a percentage of our GDP. And so typically, Charlie and I have talked about this, and this comes from uh, Professor Andy Davies. Uh, you know, we. We talked about that book a lot. Uh, dang it. What's the name of that book? Words and Numbers. Well, the podcast, oh, the podcast Words and Numbers. Sorry. There's a book that's really good. Cooperation and Coercion. They uh, they talk about that a lot. So anyway, the tax receipts as a percentage of GDP. 
typically sits somewhere around 17%, but it does wiggle back and forth a little bit. It's dipped down to say 14%, and it's gone up to almost 20%. Here's something really interesting, because what people will tell you is that, here's what they would tell you if you're making this argument online, on Twitter, or X, whichever one. If you're making this argument, they'll say, we're not taxing hard enough, that's the problem, corporate greed, all this stuff, we're just not taking in enough taxes, what we need to do is tax more, get the government some more money so we can finally solve this problem. Well, as a percentage of the GDP, let me tell you how many years we have had a, a uh, tax receipts as a percentage of GDP over 19%. We have had that a total of four times in the, in the recorded history of the United States, according to the Federal Reserve. Of course, there was time before that, but mm -hmm. uh, let's just act like time started right here. In 1944, 1945, and the year, the year 2000, and the year 2022 are the only times, according to the Federal Reserve, that we have ever taken over 19%. According to Fred. According to Fred, that we've ever taken over 19% of our GDP back in taxes. Okay, so we are essentially, statistically, at all-time highs as far as the amount of taxes we have taken out of the economy. The times where it has gone up, now the all-time high is actually 19.81, and we are currently at 19.23. The all-time high is 19.81. The times where it got up to that 19.8 realm, real bad stuff happened afterwards. Uh, and, then, and then things were, were okay. Now, we've got a world war where we were taking that much. Then we've got the... Dot com, boom, running up to 2000. Everything was just humming along. And then we get this big financial crash. We didn't even get back up there for the uh, Great Recession. And then we are running up to right now. And so how is anyone going to tell me that it has to do with us not taxing enough when we are statistically at the highest amounts that have ever been taxed out of the U.S. economy? And we're still running a $2 trillion deficit. Is that the problem? It's not the tax receipts. <clears throat> it's not the receipts, is no. it? I want you to pay attention to something else here, by the way. As people mentioned in the comments, there's nothing there's nothing so permanent as a temporary <laughs> government program or government spending or whatever the case may be. If you notice a sharp increase during World War II, mm -hmm. right, when we went up to that 20% mark, basically, 19.8, um, you'll notice it didn't dip Mm. Didn't really dip below 14. Mm. We've stayed at an average of about 19% since World War II. Now, remember, in World War II, this was all temporary just for the war. Well, we get things we get, like Social Security. Mm -hmm. uh, we, get, we get these programs that are going to help people, you know, and, uh, and take care of them. So that's when we start to get this kind of welfare but they still the messaging, state. the propaganda back then was still mm. like, oh, it was going to mm. be the rich people. Yeah. yeah. It was going to be what? No. Now it's everybody. And Everyone. At that time, beforehand, I mean, starting in 1929, they were taking 4% of the GDP. So the GDP, like that's all of our products and services that we're creating as an economy. So that's what we are generating every year as an economy. And they're only taking 4% of it. And they're doing okay, I guess. I don't know. America back then, I feel like everything was okay. We shoot all the way up to basically 20% and we've stayed around 17% since then. 
And we just, it's not enough. It's just not enough. And so now my question and here's is, here's the thing. It will never be enough. So ever, when you look at this as far as a chart is concerned, what we are looking at is either we're going to get rejected off of those highs like we haven't in the past, or that what's called an inverted head and shoulders pattern uh, right there over the last 20 years is going to equal us shooting up in the territory that we've never been to before in the history, all the world wars and everything that we're going to shoot up into a nation that we're taking 30, 40% of our GDP, the government is, and setting it on fire, essentially. So I, I don't know which one of those things is is actually going to happen. And then look at this uh, <clears throat> federal, this is the net outlay. So this is the government spending as a percentage of the gross domestic product. So even if you look at this peak I picked like kind of an average peak that happened in 1983. Uh, it was around 22 and a half percent of our gross domestic product. Now keep in mind, 22 and a half percent they're spending of our gross domestic product. And we're saying that they were taking in about 17 or 18 percent of the gross domestic product. And then they're spending more than that. Of course, what do they got to do with the extra they spend? They got to take it back out, either through borrowing or inflation or whatever it is. Uh, but there's only a few times that we've gone over this 22 and a half happens to be the Great Recession, the housing market crash, and World War II. And the last couple of years, as far as our spending as a percentage of the GDP. And everyone's trying to tell us that we just live in the greatest economy that's ever happened in the history of the world. People really think we're going to pop up into areas we have only been in for what we call the Great Recession and World War II, and Great Depression time, and everything's going to be fine. It'll be the first time in our history that we hit those numbers, and it's the greatest economy ever. What do you think, man? It's, it's all lies. <laughs> Ain't going to happen. We're huh? not being honest about what's really happening. You know, it'd be a really cool constitutional amendment that maybe libertarians can fight for. I just thought about this. Like, what if we made a rule that the government budget cannot be more than five percent of GDP? Yeah. Then what would be the incentive for government? It would be to grow the GDP. Yeah. To fake the GDP numbers <laughs> would be their so incentive. They, they could get the, you know, 5%. But no, but that, that would be uh, something in the right direction. To I me, think. that's something that the founders kind of uh, overlooked, I guess. And it's weird. They foresaw so many things happening. But even when it comes to taxation, they should have set a limit on, on taxation. You know, I know that there wasn't an income tax when they originally did the Constitution, but even when they did that, like there should have been a limit set on the amount of taxes you could take from the people. And there needs to be a limit set on the amount of the GDP that they can spend also. And the actual problem we've ran into, it's not just the people in the government. It's the it's the people, the people that elect the people in the government, like we were saying earlier, like we want thing we want unearned things we just had labor day so that just reminds me that people want unearned <laughs> things you know and yeah. uh that's a big problem and this is what happens when you keep wanting unearned things is the government has to use money to pay for it and they're either going to inflate or they're going to borrow or they're going to tax either way it's still going to cost you money they're just going going to rely on certain people's ignorance 
uh, and to tell you that it's not going to cost you any money. But everything, even if, if you, even if you want to say you want to tax corporations to pay for this, well, where do corporations get their money? They get their money from their customers. Corporations don't pay taxes. Their customers pay taxes. Uh, I think the number is somewhere around 80% of the increased tax gets passed back through the price of the products and services, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, that, it absolutely increases prices for people. And there's no way that you're going to get these things from the government without it costing you money. And there's always an idea that it's going to cost someone else money. It's not going to cost you anything. You get it for free. <clears throat> it's yeah. It's never actually going to be free. Yeah. But have no fear, folks. At the end of this article, uh, uh, quote, unlike House Republicans, President Biden takes reducing the deficit seriously. <laughs> and he will continue calling out Republicans for their hypocrisy on the debt. From White House spokesman Michael Kikakua. Kikakawa. Kikakawa. All right. Mm. <clears throat> the statement also emphasized that Biden's budget proposals would reduce the deficit by trillions of dollars through higher taxes on the rich and corporations. It's just more taxes. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. Even though Which we are who, currently at all-time high levels of taxation but, in the U.S. economy. And then who's going to pay for that? Who's going to pay for the taxes on the rich and corporations? People who pay those people for the things that they produce. That's just where it means the prices the are going to keep going higher. Don't get it's just inflation. That's all it is. You can't get things. You can't get things without paying for it. There's no such thing as a free lunch. It's not possible. Mm -hmm. You will pay for it somehow. And that's just the way nature works. I know. Nature versus nurture <clears throat> lodge. You know, let's look at some more uh, <sighs> cool things. We've got this, uh, this, I think we'll go to Biden. I keep wanting to say Obama today. I, I left for four days and I forgot that Biden was the president. Every <laughs> so time I he. tried to say his name, yeah. <laughs> every time I tried to say his name, I went to say Obama today. Yeah. It's he so gets weird. Up there like, what am I doing again? <laughs> what, what is this? Well, so he was up there talking. Do you think he wakes up every morning and was like, I'm the president? He's the happiest man in the world. Uh, they voted me? me? <laughs> I never thought... God darn these! I could need to tell these kids anybody can do anything. I don't know whose joke it was, but that's so it's so good saying that he's the happiest man in the world. It's every day he wakes up and finds out he's president. Man, envious. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, this is him talking. He finally calls out Trump, and he's talking about his record on jobs. Uh, this needs some kind, some type of fact check, and so we shall provide it. Joseph R. Biden. Eight hundred thousand new manufacturing jobs. But you wouldn't know from all the negative news you hear, but we're getting through this one of the greatest job creation periods in American history. For real, that's a fact. And you know, it wasn't that long ago we were losing jobs in this country. In fact, the guy who held this job before me was just one of two presidents in history. He was one of, no, but here's an important point, one of two presidents in history that left office with fewer jobs in America than when he got elected office. By the way, you know who the other one was? Herbert Hoover. Isn't that kind of coincidental? Look. The vacuum mm. guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, Joe. <clears throat> okay. So we basically everyone listening knows the, uh, the lot. Now, uh, factually, it's correct. That's the problem. I love how they love facts. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what the left is most known for. They're they factual loving. Mm -hmm. 
They don't like misinformation. They mm-hmm. like the truth and they want they care about democracy and of course the people need to know the truth. And the truth of the matter is that Donald Trump is one of two presidents to leave office with less jobs than when he got there. And there's no asterisks or anything necessary for this. Now they, they You don't all, have to ask why. No. No. They all know now it doesn't mean that we agree with the way Trump did things and while he was president. I don't remember exactly. See, it's been so long since we talked about COVID stuff. I don't remember exactly what the federal government's role in the unemployment was because I know a lot of this was state policies, but also know there are a lot of industries that were also like major industries that were also asked to shut down. And oh, so Yeah, the whole <clears throat> essential worker thing. Yeah. I know, but um I'm just wondering what how much of it was state level, how much of it was federal level. Uh and I can't tell you exactly what all those numbers are right now. But we all know that it was because of COVID. Now, one thing I don't like that they do when they talk about this is they act like, Joe Biden acts like, if he was the president at this time, then none of those people would have lost their jobs somehow. He wouldn't have shut down the country. Mm. You know, they would have just said, screw COVID and kept going, you know. And that's like what they're implying is that if a Democrat would have been in office, that they would have kept the economy open and no one would have lost their jobs and everything would have been fine. And then when they talk about the deficits, they're implying the same thing. Oh, they would have never spent that $2.2 trillion on the COVID Mm. relief bill. That's not a Democrat thing to do. There's no way. Yeah, we would spend it on Build Back Better. Mm -hmm. That's what it would be. Because Democrats actually invest. Yeah. You know, that's which means they don't really spend money. Now, there were things that different countries do that I think was uh, better. Some of their uh, s- some of the bailouts went directly to companies and what they had to do essentially was keep people hired. They paid them through payroll on the companies so they remained employees of those companies. So when they reopened, they were still employees of the companies. We didn't go back this through this whole process, you know. And uh, that's what some of the Scandinavian countries did. And if you're going to manage an economy and spend other people's money, that's stolen through theft and threat of death. And then I think that that was a better way of doing things. Well, and in a way they tried to do that in America, the the PPP loans was supposed to be payroll protection, but there was no, but you could spend it on all kinds of things. You do anything you wanted with it. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't, it doesn't matter. You you didn't even have to have a business to get it. No, (laughs) it could be in prison (laughs) and get a PPP loan that you didn't have to pay back. So, so I want to look at some of the, the numbers here. Now, he, he starts off by talking about manufacturing. And so I did want to look at manufacturing. And this is actually pretty crazy uh, what happened from 1940. And this is <clears throat> uh, in thousands of people here. So in millions, really, that were uh, employed in the manufacturing industry. And what you see is around, what is it, 2000? This falls off a Galdern cliff mm. just out of here. Dot com. Everybody moved to the internet. Yeah, I guess so. That's what happened. All the manufacturing moved overseas, I guess. And so we've never recovered from that. At that point, it dropped off of around, say, 17 million manufacturing jobs. And it bottomed out after the Great Recession somewhere around 12, a little lower than 12, wouldn't you say, Chuck? Yeah. And so we, we move up. And then about the same thing happened in 2020. Yeah. We move up in 2020 up to 12 million 790,000 and then it falls off a cliff because all these places are shut down. Okay. Remember you couldn't even get toilet paper. It's not that. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty bad. Yeah. 
Couldn't even wipe your own ass if you wanted to. That ear stunk. <laughs> Let me tell you what, <laughs> man. Yeah, good thing we were all in our own homes. Wear a mask, you know. <laughs> Helps with the smell, if anything. Yeah. So, uh, what happened when this big, this job number just fell off of a cliff is not that like Donald Trump signed a new law, like a Republican-led bill that said, F manufacturing mm -hmm. people, we're just going to dump all these jobs. Maybe it had to do with Trump, but it was a, a COVID pandemic. That either one of the parties would have done basically the same thing. And I would, I would guess that, in fact, if there were a Democrat, say Hillary Clinton in office... If, if Hillary Clinton was in office in this pandemic, if some reason the Chinese still decided to release this virus <laughs> right before allegedly. the presidential election. Allegedly, yeah. Uh, which I guess maybe there's your argument. If there would have been a Democrat president, the virus would have never existed in the first place because they wouldn't have had a reason to release it, right? Now, would that be better? <laughs> there's we your question. We wouldn't have gone through the pandemic? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't really know. This is all speculation That's why and I said sarcasm. Alleg allegedly, yeah. We do not think that this was intentionally released to the world that we know of we don't know mm -hmm. is it possible anything's possible anything's yeah. possible that's what my church says mm -hmm. <laughs> so january 2020 we have 12,790,000 jobs and uh right now we have 12,997,000 jobs about 200,000 more so jobs <laughs> so there's your that, when you when you, but they're counting from this <laughs> number. Well, they're counting from the time that Joe Biden took oh, office. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't Sorry. know if I highlighted that. Let me see. No, I didn't. Um, he's right. It's about 800,000 new manufacturing jobs from the time he took office. And of course, we were rebounding really hard from a time that all of those jobs, those places of work were shut down and not allowed to do anything. Yeah. Which, and, by the way, it looks like Trump added about 800,000 yeah, as well he before he left office. <laughs> he did. Yeah. But you look at his total for the whole time he was president, yeah. and uh, he didn't add the, uh, the same amount. It was net negative. Yeah. He was net negative, and, which is pretty crazy. But what I think the most important number to look at is, is what were we just before COVID, and then what are we right now? Because that's what we should truly be comparing our economy to. Not what did the economy look like when the government shut down the economy versus what does it look like when the government is allowing the economy to operate. Those are terrible things that compare to one another. Clearly, one thing is going to be better than the other. Not that hard to guess that. What does it look like when the economy was purring along and it, it turns out it's about 200,000 more jobs. Now, the thing that we should also look at is what was the trend line before that now this i'm not saying it's all biden's fault but this is what happens when you shut down an economy because we were on track if we kept going at the pace that we were gonna be at we were on track to say have instead of two hundred thousand more jobs right now i drew a line on it uh, on another chart that i don't have on here we were on track that by now we would have like five hundred thousand more jobs than we had in january 2020 if because the trend kept if that, going. If that rate of growth kept going at that time. And and so we're still behind where we would have been if if not for the COVID pandemic. So basically, Joe Biden, you know, um, he's saving all of us. This employment to population ratio is another really important thing to look at. I didn't pull up the uh, labor force participation 
rate. I pulled up the employment to population ratio because he talks about, uh, we talk about how many jobs we've added. Well, another thing to keep in mind is how many people we've added because the population continues to grow. So it's uh, very different when you look at those raw job numbers and you don't pay attention to say what percentage of the population was actually added in jobs. And we still have not made it up to the percentage before the COVID pandemic. Uh, we're still uh, maybe half a percent. We still haven't, uh, we still like haven't, even, we still haven't even recovered from the financial no. crisis of 08. No, we never got up to uh, 2006 levels. And we haven't even recovered from the dot-com bubble. No, never got up to dot-com. And I think, was that the peak? April of 2000. Uh, was actually the peak in the employment population rate. And it's it's crazy. Like look at the head and shoulders. Beautiful. I know. I know. It's so good. And then we almost came right up to it and tested it before we fell off again. Mm. It's a it's crazy how this stuff works. But um everything's a chart. I know. You Every, can chart your whole life. You can chart your life. <laughs> you really can. Yeah. You, no, we don't have to go into that right now. But anyway. And if you're feeling you down, your you just need a little bit of an investment. Mm-hmm. You know? What's important is that you get past your previous high, mm-hmm. and when you start to feel like low again, you don't let yourself go lower than the previous low. As you want to get yourself on an uptrend, okay? Mm-hmm. Every time you feel good, it needs to feel better than the most recent time you feel good. When you get down, you don't want to go down below the last time you got down. You're on the uptrend. Because otherwise you might yeah. really hit, you know, yeah. go bottom. That's, sounds like you need to go... Uh, Get some cocaine or something like that. <laughs> you know, that's how people artificially. I, I don't recommend that. No, no. Now you could personally do it yourself by making the good, good life choices, or you could do like what the government does, which would be like falsely pushing this uptrend. Anyhow, the the lesson to be learned. Let's <laughs> get to. Who says this also sounds like advice Kurt Cobain would give? <laughs> let's get to the point here for a sec. <laughs> On a Tuesday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the point here is that when we look at the dot-com era and you think about like the uh, the Bill Clinton years and all that, a lot of people look at the 90s and they're like, yeah, the 90s. That was a good time. That was, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a great time. And um, also, there's a lot of people who will look at working and say that working is bad. Like, we don't need, you know, these people working for the man, working for these corporations, whatever. It turns out a correlation with the 90s and the Bill Clinton era era being so good is also that we were at the all-time high employment to population ratio that the United States has ever been, according to all of the Bureau of Labor Statistics that we can go through. So that's more people who are able to work that were working. Yes. Than not. And I think that working does give you a fair amount of purpose, if you, if you can find it, you can find it in every job, yeah. uh, whatever job it is that you're doing that is done in a free market. You have something to do, mm-hmm. something to get you out of bed and in now, the morning. Now, if it's not done in the free market, that's between you and God, honestly. <laughs> okay. If you're working for the government and you're working on stolen money, maybe you're providing a service. Okay. Probably take Ambien to sleep at night. <laughs> that's how you sleep at night. <laughs> But if you're working in a free market and people are freely given that money, that means you are helping people or they wouldn't be given that money over to whatever the company is. And I'm I, sure that's how Ambien came about, by mm-hmm. the way, you know, people who guy went to his doctor is like, man, I'm having trouble sleeping at night. Yeah. I did all these terrible things I don't feel good about, you know, and they're the like, doctor's ah. like, what do you who do you work for? <laughs> yeah. And the guy's like, I work for the U.S. government, yeah, CIA. <laughs> yeah. Can't tell you what I do, though. 
but no. yeah. Or it could like, just be an IRS, like an IRS agent, probably. Yeah. They had they couldn't sleep at night, yeah. and so they, they developed a drug, yeah, called Ambien. Mm-hmm. And that's how they sleep at night. Yep, that's it. <laughs> so, anyway, the employment to population ratio we still haven't made it up to pre-pandemic levels or pre-2008 housing market crash levels or dot-com levels. Instead, we are actually sitting around the 1980s, 1970s levels right now. What happened then? It's not good. Mm. Okay. It's not good stuff. And and so when we're out there talking about all these jobs that have been added, we're not even, as the population has grown, we're still not even getting over that employment to population ratio that we had before the pandemic. So what have we really added? We haven't added as much as we could have because if that ratio would have kept going up the way it was going, uh, it could be a heck of a lot higher right now. We'd have a whole lot more jobs than we have right now, which is a whole lot more production, a whole lot more GDP in the economy, which also helps fix all of this massive deficit to GDP problem that we're having. I it, it pains me to talk about stuff like that because we're talking about, you know, stealing people's money mm-hmm. and spending it on other stuff. But they could even be doing a better job at that right now. They suck at that. Yeah. How do you suck at stealing money? <laughs> I mean, seriously, think about it. Your job is to steal money from people and spend less money than you stole from people. Uh, maybe if they feel a little bit bad about it. Listen, and that's why it's hard. You've got like military and armies and guns and stuff to protect you. All you've got to do is steal money from people and then spend less money than you just stole. So you can keep doing it and your entire world doesn't collapse around you. And that's all, that's your job. That's all you got to do. Greed. (laughs) Greed actually explains that one. Well, what, like greed for what, for power or for, or for money? For money. It's not enough. You know, you didn't steal enough. You didn't rob enough why do you think people who rob banks and stuff get caught? Because eventually, eventually they keep going because it's not enough. Mm, they yeah. spent more than they robbed. And so now they've got to rob another one. You know? That's hey, the problem. Hey, tell me about this real quick. Just real fast. I wanted to mention Nina. Okay? Because that's going to be a tough week again. Listen, I'm out again. I'm leaving tomorrow night to mm-hmm. go to Denver. To, <laughs> every time. To meet my... Every time I say Denver. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know what exactly we get to talk about, although I did get a little travel microphone so we could have more uh, conversations when I'm traveling. Nina said labor creates capital. Do you think that that's true? Is it like even like hand in hand they create capital or what do you think? Chicken or the egg scenario? Well, so define capital, I think, is the thing. What, what is... Think about capital to create a business. Let's say that we're going to create a business. You know, we're going to build a, a widget. And uh, is it the labor that creates the capital? So when I think of create capital, I think of like creating wealth. Mm, mm. The only thing that can actually create wealth is production. And if you consider labor production, then then that would not be wrong. Well, how do you create the wealth? Like you, how start, do you, you have to start with savings. How do you have the labor is the question. Like we got to roll back before labor. You know, where are the people working? What, how are they going to do it? You know? Well, they just don't go stand in the field. You, so there's a great video that, I can't remember who did this, but um, essentially ex- it explains why production drives an economy. And it starts back with, you know, let's go back to the beginning where, you know, you were a hunter or a farmer. 
Or a gatherer. Or a gatherer, because you have to feed yourself, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And what happens is, is that, uh, you know, someone decides that they're going to save up, they're going to store up some grain or, you know, animal meat or whatever, and they weren't going to just gorge themselves. Mm-hmm. And then they figured out a way to save up enough that they could trade with someone else who was better at something they weren't good at. Yeah. And then, but what they, then what they do is they get something that can help increase. Maybe they get like a plow or something. Exactly. Yeah. Some kind of farm. Johnny, Mm -hmm. you know, developed this little thing that increases your field productivity, your field production by, I don't know, 10 times more than what your family can eat. Now, when you say field production, are you being racist towards slavery? No. Oh, okay. Not just making all. sure. Mm-mm. I just no. wanted to double check. Well, my response to Nina was, you and your labor friends go stand in an empty field and see how much capital you can create. There you go. Are you being racist in that one? No. This you is, know, I didn't even think about this it. This is to Nina. I know. And you want her to go stand in a field. I actually didn't think about that. And I, I, luckily, you know, if a tree falls in a forest, is anyone going to you know, hear it make a sound or whatever? And... And so no one's mad about it right now. Uh, we'll see if she sees it and, and wants to make something out of it. But yeah, I didn't think about the ghost stand in the field thing, but my... You didn't tell her to pick anything. My answer is if labor creates capital, then I think and she should grab some people from a union and they should just go to an empty parking lot and create some capital. Why don't they just go do that? Yeah. They're not going to. Well, I think, yeah. So really it goes back to saving an investment yeah. first. Because as a, you know, yourself, you do have to labor and toil yourself before you can have any type of savings um, or, or investment to make to increase production to where then you have a surplus that you can, that's what actually creates wealth, Mm -hmm. right? So it's like, so I labor and produce, I spend less than I make, and then what's left over, I'm able to invest into something that can increase my wealth for the labor yeah. that I'm doing. I like that's, it. That's how that works. It's the only way it works. There's so, something else that so we... So the labor, the production has to come first, but it's like, okay, you have it has to be something of value, like something worth doing. So in a way, it's not wrong. Okay. But it's missing some pieces. A little bit of pieces. A bit, I would I would rate this missing context. Like actually like this is Charlie a- fact check is missing context. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There we go. You heard it here first, folks. Nina almost got something right. Okay. <laughs> Let's get out of here. What? We got more to do. What do we got more to do? What about this whole thing trying to disqualify? Oh, you want to get into that? All I right. mean, Let's do it. we need content. We yeah. have a radio show tonight. We do have a radio show that we're doing right now. Yeah, <laughs> as we speak, you have to cut this out, this part out. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I've been trying to find some legal opinions on this. I used to go to the Judge Knapp's podcast for legal opinions on this, and um, all he talks about is the Ukraine war uh, anymore. So couldn't find a legal opinion. Tell me what you think on this. The state election officials preparing for efforts to disqualify Trump under the Fourteenth. Amendment from ABC News. I keep getting this story in my feed, and I wonder if this is something that's actually going to happen. Now, it's pretty crazy to think about, but they could actually do it if they want to push it. And here's the deal. If only a couple states do it, then they could throw the election. If you only get, say, like Georgia and, and 
another state. Because yeah, if you can't vote for him, like in, another swing state, if you can't vote to, for him in that state, then to, to take him off the ballot. Mm-hmm. And he's on the ballot everywhere else, but he's off the ballot in a couple swing states, which they could do write-ins. But you're not going to get enough write-ins to beat someone who's actually on the ballot more than likely. So they they could do this. And this whole January sixth, uh, you see some of the. Proud Boys people have been getting these ridiculous sentences, like 17, 18 years for moving a gate yep. or something. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe they assaulted an officer. I'm not sure Now, the part in the 14th Amendment is Section 3, where it basically says, no person <clears throat> shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office anywhere, basically, any state, anywhere. Uh, can't be a judge, can't be anything. Uh, if that person uh, has has engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, so against any state, any judicial, any anybody, mm-hmm. or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. So if you supported the Proud Boys, for instance, <laughs> you know, I guess that's aid or comfort. Mm-hmm. Define aid or comfort, you know? But Congress may vote by two-thirds of each house to remove such disability. So even if, let's say, he's convicted of... Can he be convicted of insurrection or rebellion? Well, you see, this is where it gets really dicey because they can look at... um, when When you look at the Georgia case that's going on, or if you look at January 6th itself, and you have these really big court cases that have gone through where people are actually getting charged with, say like seditious conspiracy, things like that, and getting these really long prison terms. Um, if you can link that to Trump, then you could say that maybe there's aid or comfort uh, to people, uh, or you can say uh, engaged in insurrection and rebellion against when it comes to the Georgia thing. So maybe that's... Uh, it's very... It's extremely difficult to push this through legally, but it could be possible that you got a couple states to do it. Almost as if, almost just like what they were talking about Trump did, like with the alternate elector schemes, or asking uh, Mike Pence to not confirm, you know, the votes that day. There are legal theories that where that could be possible. It's never been done before. Like, it's never actually happened, but there are people who theorize that this could be legal to do. We just don't actually know because it hasn't really been done. And that is one of the reasons that he's been charged with the things he's charged with is because they were trying to push through these dicey legal theories that no one really knew what you could do. And now that's what they're talking about doing with this whole 14th Amendment thing. Like, can this actually be done? I don't know. You you could read it this way if you wanted to. That's what Magoo said here. Well, it's kind of like they're doing the thing they're charging Trump with doing. Yeah. (laughs) It's like they're taking all of the legal steps to try to keep him from winning office. If just this, like he was trying to take legal steps to try to keep Joe Biden from taking over. It's so it's so weird. Someone else said, uh, once they try this, the country will never heal. No one will trust the vote. Uh, I agree with that. I was trying to think through what would happen. Imagine, okay, imagine this. They do all of these indictments right around the primary elections, which essentially catapults Donald Trump into victory in the GOP election primaries. All right. Even without the swing states. <laughs> and then... When it comes to the general election, a couple states use these cases to remove him from the ballot to where not only did they essentially select 
the GOP nominee by making him a martyr, by, by persecuting him, uh, they then turn around and take him off the ballot in a couple states that essentially makes it impossible for him to win. Like the Libertarians. The election. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes it hard for them to win, you know? Our country will 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 never come back from it. I'm just saying. Could you still write him in? You could write him in, but the, you take him off the ballot like it's that's that's it. Wouldn't it be crazy there, though if well, they took him off the ballot yeah, and people still wrote him in? You're not going to get that many millions of write-ins beating out. You don't think someone. Trump can get millions happen. of write-ins? It's just I know he could get. I'm just saying the the statistical probability of the sitting president who has a a button you can push for his name versus the other guy who you have to write in. Uh, maybe it gets out the vote in a at a level we've never seen before. I don't know. Um, I'm just saying. All that I know is I've been preparing my popcorn. It's, it's not just gonna be popcorn, man. You're gonna prepare that safe. It's gonna be. <laughs> it'll be bad. I'm just saying. Well, it'll be fun first. Though. Yeah, it will. Yeah, yeah. That day while we're watching the news, <laughs> it'll be fun. And then we'll if we're still just when you think that you know the drama couldn't get any worse, <laughs> I feel like we're gonna reproach Tiger King level of reality TV. That's gonna be so good. You know, I, I think we are, you know, this trial, the Georgia trial, I think is that the Georgia trial is actually going to be live. I believe they're mm. doing it live and uh, that's going to be fun. I feel like we just need to live stream the whole thing. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> Every show that we do during that trial, we're going to have to have Trump's trial going on, you know, in the background so we can check in and see what's going on this whole time. We'll just see him like this the whole time. It's all we're going to, all we're going to talk about. But no, if he gets removed from the ballot in a couple states and it actually swings the election, um, I don't know what's going to happen to the U.S. after that, but it's going to be really bad. Mm. Just saying. Mm. It, Everyone get ready. It could be not good. I still, I think I said last week, maybe you What do you mean by get ready? Who are you talking to? <laughs> stand back and stand by. Stand, okay. Everyone, okay? Um, just get ready. No, uh, <laughs> it'll be bad, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I talked about this last. I mean, what are we gonna do though? Tuesday, we're, we're gonna bring down F-16s or something. I know? think. I think. I think. Regardless, <laughs> the next election is. It's not gonna be. It's, there is no good outcome coming up, and I'm sorry to be so pessimistic. There is no good outcome for the my, next election. I think that's why I'm saying my positive spin on it is at least it's gonna be fun. Yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to um, be things you never thought would happen for 2000. Like, Alex, Alex is dead now, but if, <laughs> if Trump, if Trump wins, imagine how much more the nomination or wins no, the election. He, I'm saying 2024 general election. Let's say Trump wins. Can you imagine how crazy people on the left are going to be after that? I mean, we already had to suffer four years of this stuff and then now it's gone on for six, seven, eight, whatever it's been going on. They are going to go so freaking nuts mm -hmm. afterwards that it will be just downright insufferable. It will. If he loses, then we, then we're going to have Kamala Harris as the president. Essentially, and, Cause Joe Biden. And it'll be insufferable to hear from yeah. the people who left Trump. Yeah. Yeah. And what they're, the policies they enact will be insufferable. Mm -hmm. As well. I It'll agree, really Bailey. Bad. Buy your toilet paper now. You might want to, you know, get a Sam's order in. Yeah. Get yourself a couple Boke. 
Boke. <laughs> if Trump isn't the nominee, some reason, then it's still going to be Biden and Harris that wins. Now, I revised because I think this is how militant the Trump people are going to be. They're not, there is a very large percentage of the MAGA base that's not even going to vote for a Republican, I, I believe, because they'll be so mad about someone screwing over Donald Trump. Just like they're just going to abstain yeah, from voting. They're just not going to vote. So they're going to be so mad. And mm. so then I think we still get Democrats. I think regardless, what's going to happen is either Trump is the president. It's going to be God awful, just terrible. I don't think the pros outweigh the cons. Um, or the most likely scenario is whoever the Democrat is, is going to be the president. What That's if, just what's going to happen. What if Trump wins the nominee and picks Vivek to be his vice president? Hmm. Slightly better. Slightly better chances. You think he would listen to Vivek about like Trump firing 90% of the federal government? No, I don't think he would listen to anyone about anything. Mm. No. If Trump wins the nominee, who is he going to pick? I'm sorry, when Trump wins the nominee. Yeah, when he wins the nomination. Who is he going to pick? Because it's not going to be Mike Pence now. Who do you guys think it's going to be? Let, let us know in a live group right now. Um, I don't think it's going to be Vivek. Would it be kind of funny if he picked DeSantis? It would be funny <laughs> if he did that. After all the things he said. It, um, I was thinking Nikki Haley, but she started semi-attacking him just a little bit, and I don't think it'll that's something he'll stand for. Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> it'll be. <laughs> uh, Tucker Carlson. <laughs> There's one. Elon Musk. Um, I guess Vivek Ramaswamy is a good, um, a good possibility, but... Yeah, the answer right now is we have no idea. So um, we'll see. But yeah, he's likely going to be the nominee. And so who the heck's going to be his VP? That could that could be the exciting part. Yeah. You know, this could be all, nuts. It's all going to be so interesting. It's, you know, it's all coming up. I know. Let's you get know, ready. Next year is not that far away. I'm ready for it. Yeah. Change the password to the safe, you know, <laughs> and uh, get some gold, some silver, stuff like that. Time to start fishing, you think? MREs. You know, yeah, yeah, go fishing. Some deep, go. deep lake diving. Mm-hmm. You know? I already ordered some scuba gear. Mm-hmm. Just in case. We don't have time for boat accidents anymore. It's time <laughs> no. to go deep lake diving instead. Yeah. And get a new boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one that, <laughs> yeah, the one that you don't keeps, have accidents on. Yeah, tipping over. Jeez. <laughs> Who goes boating with their entire stash of weapons in a canoe? <laughs> That is ridiculous. Yeah. Why would you ever do that? A paddle boat. But see, I've done it so many times now. Yeah. It's happened over and over again. All right, let's go. All right, y'all. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share the show with a friend, a family member, and a foe. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also, sign up to be part of the Fed Haters Club because um, God hates feds, and mm -hmm. so should you. Yes. And that's if you align with God. He doesn't mention hate very often, mm -mm. but... One thing he does hate is the sin from the federal government. Yep. So you want to be part of the Fed Haters Club. Just in a Boogalitarian's 420. <laughs> That's right. So For God so hated the feds. <laughs> go to joingml.com or godhatesfeds.com. Either one will get you there. And at God Hates Feds, you can also pick up your t-shirt on the way in. Mm -hmm. you know? That's the That's the cool thing about that place. So do all those things. And if you do, we'll be back again tomorrow. Tomorrow before... Yeah. Nate goes out of town again, and then we'll be back the following week. No, I'm gonna do. We're gonna do some episodes. We'll do something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're gonna do episodes. You guys need your liberty loving fix. Trump 
commentary because we have all the juice here. Yep. All right. Until then, Jews, juice, juice, juice. Okay. All right. Yeah. That was close. I love the Jews though. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you do. They're good people Mm -hmm. on both sides. All right. Until then, I hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. And good night, Liberty.